0: I discovered the films of Brad Ray during a screening event at the Majestic Palace Theater in my hometown of Greenville, Kentucky. The great Warren Oates saw films there as a boy for those keeping score at home. Two of Brad's films, Caged and Stitch, were shown that night. I knew right away I had to book at least one of them for Unscripted. Since we had never had any sports films, I chose Caged, a drama about an MMA fighter. We showed it with J.D. Wilkes' Seven Sons* during our Season 6 finale. Prior to the screening, Brad sat down with me to discuss his journey as a filmmaker. Though Unscripted is done for the year, we hope to do more podcasts during the off-season. There will also be other film events during the summer to promote. Be sure to stay tuned to this feed for more information on that. Now, on with the show!
1: i'm brad uh i'm from i'm li- currently living in nashville right now but um i'm actually from kentucky been here to owensboro a couple times so back in 2006 i think is when i first started you know back then it was the goofy like skits and mm-hmm. uh, put on like monkey costumes and <laughs> banana suits and just goofy stuff like that um it transitioned into like more short film structured style stuff but right. a couple skits in there we tried pranks but it didn't work out with you know cops, and we just didn't know how things worked back then so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that didn't work but um then it slowly moved into from the short films it moved into uh two thousand nine and ten it started like actual client work mm-hmm. um so that then it became a little bit more professional, so right. all like the the goofy skit stuff kind of stopped and it became more serious and that's when especially when college started and actually started learning more about everything is when it start, I really started to get serious about everything.
0: And did you study, like, broadcast or production? Or yeah, I was right? actually
1: in the broadcasting program at uh, Western Kentucky University. Okay, cool.
0: And by that time, did you have your own gear?
1: Let's see. I didn't get my first camera. See, up until 2012, I think it was the summer of 2012, I bought a Canon 60D. Mm-hmm. And I think it came with two lenses. And then, like, a year later, I bought, like, a 50 Prime that was, like, I use it all the time. But um, up until then, I used my mom and dad's just – it was a Sony Handycam. It shot. millimeter Yeah.
0: <laughs> nice. I had one of those, too. Yeah, we, we did the skit thing pre-YouTube. I'm a little older than I look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that's a lot of fun. And uh, my friend John, actually, who we just had on last week, he, he was like a whiz at in-camera editing. Did you get into that? Like, I don't know, tricking stuff out, I was, opening doors and stuff?
1: I was never good at that. Oh, yeah. Still am not. <laughs>
0: I, I, it's still – it's an admirable skill. Like, and if you can do that stuff, it's uh, – a. I don't know, it's, it's, it's rustic, but it's uh, charming, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you studied broadcasting, like how much did that teach you about what you do today? Or did you like, as far as like actual filmmaking, filmmaking, did you learn a lot of that on your own?
1: It's, it's interesting how it worked out because broadcasting, I think is it's, it's live most of it anyway. So like when we're shooting these sports and, you know, I'm trying to think of what else we did. We did like basketball, football, soccer, baseball everything you have to you have to capture it then or else it's it's gone forever if you miss it and i think that translates well now into what i do because while i still do weddings um when i'm actually able to but my day job is uh i'm a tour videographer and so swindle right yes and so and that's the same thing if you miss something you know out on the road it's it's gone forever right and so I think that really helped with the broadcast. You get that, like, sense of urgency to get, like, I got to get the shot. I got to get the shot. Right. And I, t- I did take a couple film classes, too, and that kind of helped, like, put the big picture in there. Like, okay, so I'm getting these shots fast. I'm getting these moments. Like, how can I put it all together? Mm-hmm. And I, ca- I think it, it all worked into this puzzle that just ended up fitting together in the right way later right. on.
0: I would imagine a broadcast background would, like, Teach you to uh, plan wisely, like because of that that you got to capture the moment or you're going to miss it. Like, yeah. Or, so you don't necessarily probably do like a bunch of takes or anything on your stuff, do you? Yeah, either?
1: exactly. And I think it it translated to the short films too, because especially for this one, we kept the the, the crew was very small. I mean, on set, I was the the director of photography, the director, um, assistant. I mean, I was pretty much everything. And oh, we yeah. had um, for a couple of these scenes, we had makeup and everything else it was just i think it was three four of us and three of those people were the actors and then it was me doing everything else so it was like even so (laughs) there were a couple scenes where i even did the audio so it was it was really really just tight and um i think for this film too especially the scenes with the father in them Mm -hmm. were very I think documentary style, like kind of shakier, handheld. Right,
0: that, that worked though. It was a perfect, perfect style for that type of story for sure. Um, so like go back to your day job real quick before we get too far in the cage. Like, okay. Uh, how, like I'm interested in this because that's like the most unique day job I think of any of the filmmakers I've ever interviewed. How, uh, how did you land that? And uh, like, can you give me your day to day? Like what life on the road's like?
1: So that all started with networking, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I think most people will tell you in the industry now that, Especially in the music industry, it's it's all about the networking. And right. so that started with uh, there was a, a guy in Paducah uh, named Brandon Boyd. He was family friends of my best friend back there. And so my friend's mom was like, hey, like, you know, this guy's doing all the stuff in Nashville. You know, you guys should hook up. Well she had been talking about this for years like you know even in high like we were freshmen in high school and we're right. doing all these goofy stuff she's like oh, you guys should hook up and we're like, well, I don't know like he probably wouldn't like what we're doing now right but when I graduated high school I was like you know maybe or no I graduated college and I was like you know maybe I do need to do that and so she hooked us up and I just I started you know doing just freelance jobs for him mostly mm-hmm. shooting um I don't think he had me edit anything but he was primarily an editor um, so he had me shoot all these like conferences and just stuff for him and uh, he was really liking what I was doing. And, uh, he was actually editing for the company that I work for now. And so a job opened up with Cole and I guess they reached out to him. was like, Hey, you know, any shooters? And he gave them, he sent a really long email to them. was like, Hey, like he actually CC me on it, but he was like, Hey, I know this guy named Brad, like, you know, gave me an awesome recommendation and hooked us up. And nice. then, that, I mean, that alone, I think is what did it. Mm-hmm. And, cool. And, you know, story from there. But anyway, as far as, um, day to day, um, I would say it varies, but it really doesn't. <laughs> usually I wake up anywhere from nine to 10. Um, I try, usually we go to the gym around ten thirty, but before that I try and set up like all the film location releases and everything. Like what I'll do is I'll just take a bunch and tape them around the venue and just take right. a picture of them. That way we've got like, you know, especially the live video that we just shot, like for, uh, his newest single. Um, we made sure to do that, but that just ensures that, you know, if we use a fan shot or, you know, somebody's face is in it, the, we're covered. covered. All right. Um, so that's the first, first agen- thing on the agenda. Um, usually gym, lunch. Um, I'll probably have set up my laptop and editing all my hard, I've probably got like 10 hard drives oh, on wow. the road. Just so like, you
0: do all your own editing off this stuff. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: So you and I've got other projects, you know, for the company that I'm working on too. Right. Um, but yeah, there's, piles and piles, piles of hard drives that I've got mm-hmm. set up and with the laptop and everything. So it kind of depends on what the day is too. Like some days there's, you know, a lot more going on, maybe like, you know, bigger events. Like we we were just at a rodeo and there's a lot of stuff happening that oh, day. Yeah. So I was mm-hmm. shooting a lot more than I was editing. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of, it, it really depends on how it is. And usually we're done the shows at like 815 or 830. Um, and when, when it's a show out with Dirk's Dirk Bentley, mm-hmm. it's we have a 45 minute set i think 45 to 60 minutes is usually about what it is um so we're usually done by probably about 9:15 every night
0: how much uh, like just per, per tour what's the average amount of footage you usually come home with
1: between i shoot with a C100 and then a GH4 so between those two there's maybe like 8 to 10 gigs of footage per oh, day wow so it just and again that really is dependent sometimes it's 2 to 3 gigs i mean Mm. there may not have been anything going on that day
0: right so you're just uh, editing on the fly and just uploading stuff like every every couple couple days or something yeah there's
1: nothing really that needs to be edited like day to day sometimes there's like uh, we call them liners Mm -hmm. that you know either video or audio that you know when you hear the artist go hey it's so-and-so you know with the station um, right station IDs. yeah yeah so we do some of those and so a lot of those like if we if we shoot or record any of those like day of I'll send those out by the end of the night um, but other than that there's really not any day-to-day okay. editing for Cole but um, most of the work is in the the weekly webisodes that just go up on YouTube
0: Yeah, I, was, I read something about that I was looking at some of your background stuff uh, that's cool that's a that's an interesting day job for sure I imagine you have a lot of a lot of good road stories yeah, um, <laughs> yeah <awesome>. <laughs> uh, when when does your short film stuff happen like what, what was your first short film and was that pre or post this job
1: I would say my first real short film was um, in 2014 and it was my capstone project in college Mm -hmm. um, which is like your final like I guess you have to everybody has to take it I guess in every major Um, they call it something different but it's your basically your final project and you can do whatever you want Mm -hmm. and so I chose to do a short film and it was a it was like a sci-fi Western um, called stitch
0: So I saw that in Greenville. Oh, you did? Yeah, okay. Yeah, really oh, good. cool. Yeah, I was I was super excited. I, t- I talked to Chad and and Matt about this. How that event in Greenville excited me a lot because I'm from there originally. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Copper Canyon is, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's a wonderful spot. Yeah. Talk talk a little bit about making that and the lessons you learned from it that you took forward. Oh man, that was so <laughs> long ago. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, yeah, we don't have to get too far into it. So.
1: Yeah. Um, let's see. That's that was before. And I guess I still don't really do that much. So I guess I don't know if I learned that much from, but um, <laughs> before I really did any kind of prep work um, and that was before, like I really understood audio. And so we were just, we basically held up a, a zoom just like as close as we could to the actor. And All right. the audio was pretty rough back in the day. And so some of those shots, we actually had a, a wireless mic on the actor. So sometimes it'll sound like ruffling, kind of,
0: the... kind of decent, but sometimes it'll be like, Oh, Hey, hey like real right. rough. and <laughs> It was really great. Like I, it was a, I thought it was a fantastic premise. So I, I really enjoyed that one. Um, so we after that. Like, did you, uh, did you shoot anything immediately after that, or did you take some time off? Or I think, let's see,
1: I think we took some, kind of took some time off. We tried to shoot something that summer, but then it just didn't pan out because I was pretty beat because that was basically like I produced everything and mm-hmm. it just it took a toll on me. So I was like, okay, like. I just need to chill out and yeah, did you get I a think, grade on it I, I did get an a nice which was which was pretty cool <laughs> um but yeah i think that summer we we kind of chilled out and uh i think i was also freelance i was freelancing a lot then too so i was really just working yeah. and it just it i was working till midnight every night i think and you know waking up at night so I was just I was getting worn out from everything right. and I just was not I had no creative I was just burnt out on editing and Yeah, that's what, that's
0: what I found I used to write I did some blogging for like a music website I was on that forever and finally it became like an unpaid job I actually get paid for that and then I got paid for blogging later and I, I just found like you know it's, it's not fun when you like not as much fun when you have to do it yeah uh, I agree yeah so there's you got to get a good balance in there for sure um, as far as like the education, one, one thing I'm interested in by is like people who have education in it and people who just learn their own. Like, do you would you suggest aspiring filmmakers actually go to film school or take film classes, or or do you think on the job sort of stuff is like a, more of a benefit, or both if you can do it?
1: I think this is one of the one of the jobs or areas where you really you really don't have to go to school for, yeah. especially now. Like, it's kind of like music nowadays too like you don't really have to have a guitar teacher t- to learn guitar there's right. so much material online and you know anywhere you can look up you know i could tell you anything i know i follow a youtube channel called uh film riot mm-hmm. and they've you know i kind of grown up with that and um that's where i've learned a lot too and cool. just being like being on set i think you learn more than you know anything else just having that experience you know you get to watch you know the director's work you get to you know you get to see like how scenes are lit which that was always interesting to me Mm -hmm. um i remember the first real experience i had with that was um it was the summer i think it was the summer of 2014 i was super nervous for this but um i got a call to be a pa on dr phil oh wow and i was like oh my gosh like what do i do like (laughs) (laughs) but uh that was really cool to see because uh we they basically lit this um, like interview spot in a hotel room and just seeing like how technical, like you don't see that in the shots. Like everything just looks natural. And I just, it, it was the first time I was like, wow, like, you know, cause the scene, it took all day to light. I was like, right. they really, you know, take their time with this. And it's, it's meticulous. It's,
0: yeah. It's amazing how much just some light variations can change the way yeah. the scene looks for sure. Uh, so did you do any other like PA stuff like that on anything?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think I was a PA on, the Chew, that show on ABC, the food, uh, the, food right, the food show.
0: Yeah.
1: I enjoyed that because I love food and <laughs> yeah. free, free. Uh, it was like a food convention or something that was in Nashville, and so like everybody, it was basically a competition. So everybody was making like these different dishes, and the host and like a judge would come around, and uh, you know I was following like with the, I was holding the LED light like the whole time, so my arm, my shoulders, and were killing me at the end of the day, but um, after we were done shooting, like we got to try everything. So I was, I was pretty hyped nice. about that this job. A sweet perk for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
0: awesome. All right. Uh, so was there anything between where we're at right now and when you, uh, did caged any, any other films or anything you'd like to talk about?
1: Yeah, I did. I did one and I don't think I've really done anything with it, but it's, uh. we actually shot it at copper Canyon. Oh, cool. Um, it's called old dogs. I don't know if I I've submitted it a couple places, but I haven't really done it. It's the reason I haven't is because it's more of, it's more of a scene. It's taken from a larger script. Mm-hmm. And the reason I didn't do the larger script is just because it like the end involves like this mass murder, like Tarantino style, like everybody gets killed and <laughs> like there's blood and stuff everywhere. And I just, we didn't have the technical ability or right. budget to pull something like that off. And I, I didn't want it to look cheesy because right. I knew like, if you don't do this right, it's just, it's going to be stupid. Yeah. So I basically cut all that stuff out and tried to kind of restructure the story and it just, I don't know, it feels, it feels, that's what it feels like though. It feels like a scene from a larger piece. Yeah. So I'm just kind of, I'm kind of holding on to it. Maybe, you know, later on it can be used for pitching.
0: Yeah. You know about Travis Newton, right? Cause yeah, yeah. we showed uh, that one he made not too long ago and that's what he said. Um, the title totally escapes me right now. Uh, the one about woodshed. the kid. The woodshed, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and Woodshed, he mentioned that he kind of had a, a, a full script involving these characters, and that was more or less something made to get interest in it and maybe some investors and stuff. And I think
1: he's getting it made into a oh, feature. Really? That's, that's what a, I heard. I
0: really like that short. That was a really I good I haven't gotten movie. to see it yet. Yeah, it's, it's I need to ask awesome about that. For sure. Um, so, um, I guess let's talk about the movie you're here to show tonight, Caged.
1: Dad, he is a nice person and you don't want to be like him.
0: sparked you with this idea and then how easily did you adapt that to a script
1: i was actually driving to copper canyon we were shooting like a teaser for stitch Mm -hmm. actually and i saw this house there was a a punching bag out in front of it and there were like a bunch of cars and like junk was all over the place and i like it just got me thinking like about the people that lived in that house i was like you know and then i said like the punching bag is really what did it i was like what if it's like. You know, this, this kid, you know, he's trying to be a fighter and he's growing up in this, but he's growing up in this environment, maybe his dad and just got, they got the wheels turning. And by the time it was probably 15, 20 minutes away from Copper Canyon. And mm-hmm. by the time I got there, I had come up with this just rough, just like story points of things that, and then I, i pretty sure I wrote them down on my phone as I was driving, which I shouldn't have done. <laughs> but I was like, I was like, I got th because I I have a horrible memory. So right, I was like, I've here. got, I've got to write this down while I remember it. Right. Um, and so I called my buddy. As soon as I got there, I was like, "Dude, like," and he—he's the guy that's—he's written I think all the scripts for the films that I've done. Okay. And uh, Bradley Ingler. And so when I called him, I was like, "Dude, we've—we've got to do this. Like, this is so cool." And he was not hyped to, He was not into it at all. I was like, uh, "Just, just wait." Like, I sh-. then when I got home, I showed him the pictures. He was like, "Okay, like, this could actually be pr- pretty cool." And uh, so I'd already like he was like, "Okay, but first, like, before I the script, just." why don't you take some time and bullet point this, like kind of give me a little bit more details on what you're looking for. And so um, I spent that night bullet pointing. I took it to him and he probably wrote the script. I mean, it's only like a 10, nine, 10 page script. Mm-hmm. He wrote that in probably 30 minutes. Oh <laughs> yeah. He's, he's really fast. That's he's cool. talented too, but That's um, really cool. I see the process. It just, it was one of those things that just, it hit me so fast and mm-hmm. it just, the whole story just kind of seemed to fall into my head that it wasn't really too too difficult to to move it to the paper, especially yeah, when he's helping me too.
0: So like the script and it was so short. This pretty much did it get. Were there any changes between the script and the final product, or was it a, yeah, kind of the same? There was
1: actually a, a big change. Um, the scene the scene with the young, uh, the young Billy, mm-hmm. that was actually not in the script originally at all. And I had I had made a cut of a final cut of the or what I thought was the final cut of the film, and I was like this is just, it's missing something like he, he needs, I felt he needed another character that gave him love because he doesn't have anything. All he knows is hate. So there's got to be something there that I guess, so where he doesn't go to the dark side, so so to speak. (laughs) And that I thought, would, would be a, his grandfather
0: would be a good, you know, character for that. Yeah. It worked really well. Did, was it the the house that you saw that sparked the idea where you ended up shooting it at? Or did you
1: No, it was there? actually a different one. Um, yeah. I tried, wow. I really tried to shoot it there, but, um, I couldn't get a hold of anybody. I went, I went to them and knocked on the door. I called their house. I went to their neighbors. I even went to, there was an Amish family that lives like right <laughs> across the street. I went over there. I was like, Hey, do you, do you know, like them at all? And then, yeah.
0: So Where did you end up shooting it
1: at? Uh, it was a, f- a friend of Chad Fuller's actually.
0: Oh, okay, was that uh, Madisonville, Muhlenberg? It you? was
1: like it was Hop- Hopkinsville, Hopkinsville area. So it was it was actually like a couple minutes away from Copper Canyon. Okay, cool. So it was a quick a quick drive. Nice. Uh, how long how long was your shooting? We shot a total time. It took like eight months to shoot, but that's including like I mean there was a huge gap mm-hmm. in between. You know when I thought we had a final product and then because we shot. Um, we finished shooting during the summer and then we shot that, uh, that scene in the winter actually, like right before Christmas, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but we shot at the, at the house. We were probably there from seven or eight in the morning until about three or 4 PM. Oh, wow. and it was in the dead of summer. So it was, I mean, it was probably a hundred degrees that it's day. Super hot. Good old Kentucky yeah. weather. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Let's circle back or go back to the beginning, I guess, and talk about your cast. Like, I'm interested in casting processes too. So, how did you find your people?
1: I think part of the idea is because, or it came about because I knew uh, I was pretty good friends with uh, the main actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name's Bobby. Uh, we were in probably I think we had every single broadcasting and film class together. Uh-huh. Like, ev- like everyone. Which is pretty crazy because there were quite a few directions and routes you could take. Yeah, um, but I think part of that idea came to me so quickly is because I had him in mind specifically. Like that was that was the main character. Like it had to be him because he he was at, he. I knew beforehand he would been a fighter for about ten years. I was going to ask. If he was really in yeah. The so animation. he had the training, and that's where you know all the scenes. He he choreographed all those scenes okay, for cool. us. Which was, which helped out a lot because then we could just keep everything, you know, minimal.
0: Yeah. I mean, it looked like legit, like uh, MMA. Yeah. I think he did a really good job. Definitely.
1: Um, So he was, he, I think, was always in mind for that. And then, you know, it really took a while to, uh, for the father, um, (laughs) because that one, it's such a, it's such a brutal role that I had to, I had to be really careful about who, who could, who could pull it off and um chad i'd worked with him and and stitch and just he didn't have a big role in stitch but he like i had worked with him enough after that and just talking with him i was like man i think he could
0: pull this off and man yeah he did and he's crazy too because he's like the nicest guy in the world i know it's complete versatility for sure yeah Yeah. that's awesome um so did you like just have an open call or did you go after people that you knew? Like, I mean, I know you said you had the one guy in mind. To, uh, yeah, no,
1: I just, I think I specifically like I picked people out cause uh, I'm not, I was never really good at, you know, like the casting audition stuff. Like right. it just, it never really went well before I think. Yeah. And so having the specific people in mind really helped out for this one. Like the, the young, the young Billy was uh, my cousin actually. Oh, wow. uh-huh. Um, he was good. He was <laughs> yeah. he was very I was kind of worried about him, but he ended up being awesome though he was uh, But I I just look for for roles like that. I look for outgoing people mm-hmm. because I think that Translates well,
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's timid people in front of a camera. Don't always mm-hmm. do too. Well um, So once you wrapped and you started editing like how long uh, did that take you to finish and what was that process like?
1: the editing took a while just partly because it just, it felt weird without the, the flashback scene in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had never really done sound design for like, cause I did all the sound design and everything too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never done sound design for like a, f- like fights and stuff like that. Yeah, I tried to, gig. But I've
0: done sound design for plays and it's, it's tough to, to pick through like yeah. rounds and so- of sound.
1: And I think, but it w- it kind of worked out too again because I think film riot, um, try or trying films. I guess their, uh, their film company released a sound pack,
0: oh, wow. which was
1: around that time. And it was like a fighting sound effects, then it was really good. Nice. And so I got, I think I got the cheapest. It was like a hundred dollar pack, but mm-hmm. I mean, it had came with hundreds of sounds. It was perfect though. Yeah. Um, but I think that was the, the biggest part of the process is finding, you know, the sound that sounded natural, but not, I didn't want to overdo it because it's, when you listen to the like I I watched a bunch of fight like real fights just to figure out kinda of what they sound like. And it doesn't really I mean it just sounds like a smacking a a turkey or something right? <laughs> <Just> like
0: <laughs> 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 Yeah, it's it's uh reading about foliar it's really interesting to f- just because sometimes they do so many wacky things to capture what appears to be like an accurate sound for sure. Yeah. Uh, we had an event here in Owensboro several years ago. It's the International Mystery Writers Festival. And as part of that they did plays in the style of old timey radio. So they actually had people in front of mics reading from a script page, then a live foley artist on the side of the stage and it was crazy to watch her work. Was, That's pretty it, cool. It super neat. Yeah. How much footage did you have before you started editing? What what all did you have to trim out? Oh man, we shot
1: a ton. Um and I ended up cutting a couple a couple scenes too because it just it, it slowed it down. Um I remember there was a whole precursor to the first, I guess, quote fight that's in there. Um where he like he leaves the gym and it's basically it's presented that he's being mugged and that was I think that was one of the biggest things where um I sent it to a bunch of people for feedback and they most of them were like that just feels weird. Like, why is he getting mugged? Like right outside the, the MMA training place. Like it just, why, why would someone do that? It nah. just does not So it was a big decision. Cause I like, for some reason I fought for it. I was like, no, no, no. Like, you know, it just makes sense for the guy to mug him, but I, it just ended up not working out. But
0: yeah, um, the fight in the garage. Though, that, that's uh, I like that.
1: I think it worked just because it's, it's kind of out of nowhere. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of this peaceful, like he's he training and he's done. And then,
0: Bam! Right, like keeps people's attention. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. really like that. that. Was a nice touch, and yeah, I, I I like the pacing a lot on this film. It's uh, it seems like it's exactly how long it needs to be, but I also think it could work as a feature. Did you ever think about taking this out into uh, a full length? I did. Um, we
1: actually I actually talked about originally doing that, and then realizing how dumb that would be to start out with just because of the time that we had to work with because right. really it needed to be shot over the summer because the main actor was he was going over to Europe um, it was before December because he wasn't even there for I don't think he was there for that shoot um, but he was going to Europe pretty quick so oh, right. it had we had a pretty strict deadline for when it needed to be done he fighting over there? Or did he move no around?
0: he just he he liked to travel oh, yeah. so I think he's actually still over there right oh, now man. he's in Spain oh, yeah. wow that's cool <laughs> When was your premiere that like did you uh, do like a big big premiere just show up for some friends had How'd you put that together? Yeah, well (laughs) shoot. I forgot
1: about this until you asked I Tried to screen it at a movie theater Mm -hmm. and it was uh, I think we did this in Hopkinsville yep, it was Hopkinsville and uh, (laughs) I didn't have a DVD. I wasn't they didn't really tell me how to bring it. So I kind of, I had it on a flash drive and the person I talked to was like, yeah, just bring on a flash drive. Like you're good. Well, that did not work. And so
0: I felt that sting a couple of times doing unscripted for sure. Yeah.
1: And so if like three hours into it, like a bunch of people came to this, like, and it was a big deal and it ended up not working at all. So we were supposed to reschedule, but it's just been, it's, been pretty crazy so i don't know if the reschedule will ever happen so has
0: it had an official premiere do you count the green one as your official premiere
1: that yeah that would probably well yeah that would probably be the official premiere i guess then
0: okay cool so it hasn't shown that many times no yeah is it up on youtube or anywhere i like like it's on vimeo but it's private okay cool usually whenever i end these i like to have you guys give pieces of advice for like filmmakers who might live in a small town somewhere where they think Oh, I'd love to do this, but I don't think I'll have a chance. Like, what would you tell them to do? Just a couple pieces of advice.
1: I think some of the coolest stories I was just honestly telling my girlfriend this as we uh, were driving up here in the car. I think some of the coolest stories are from small towns. Mm -hmm. And so just diving into it, grab a camera, you know, bring your friends and just shoot stuff. I think that's the best way to learn. That's the best way watch movies. Mm -hmm. That's helped. That's helped a lot too. Um, but just getting into it, um, and just making stuff.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, I think a lot of people see the the tech aspect, the gear aspect, as a barrier to entry. But you don't need a good camera to make a, a great film. You need a good story. That's, yep, that's that's uh, came up time and time again on these. Yep. And then, yeah, it's just like you know, fancy cameras will come with time. But just you know, do do something with your iPhone. Mm-hmm. Uh, iPhone is a great Shoot, yeah, camera. They're yeah, they're great now. Yeah, um, we had a guy on um, last episode who um, he's basically started his own business, Sublime Media Group, and he started making commercials, won some contests on MoFilm. I don't know if you're familiar with that yeah, website. Yeah. Uh, he won a few contests on there, and each time they won, they put the money that they won to new gear, and he amassed a pretty good collection. But even after having all this gear, he made an ad for a contest. I think it was for Target. or No, it wasn't Target. It was some cat food. And he said the theme of it was hashtag my great cat, I think. And every time he brought his big camera out, the cat got super intimidated and wouldn't do anything. So he... I think he said at the time he had an iPhone 5. So he busted his iPhone 5 out, shot a bunch of uh, stuff with his cat with that. He ended up placing, he didn't win, but like maybe third or fourth place. That's so, pretty crazy. Yeah, so you don't need a, a super expensive camera. Just a, a good story. So that's, that's definitely good advice. Mm-hmm. All right, Brad. Well, thanks for chatting with us. Uh, we're looking forward to the screening tonight. This was a production of the Davis County Public Library.